0: Man, it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, hey, things are getting a little better, huh? I'm like up and walking a little bit here and there. I still use crutches if I need any speed whatsoever. So. But uh, it's great to be able to uh, have a little bit of balance and a little bit of stance. So for those of you who haven't been with us, I broke some toes and uh, it's coming along well. I'm still going to be preaching from a sit for a lot of it, but things are going well. And I love what the Lord is doing in this place. And God is stirring amongst us in a huge way. And uh, over these past weeks, we've been in a series called Who Am I? Finding Our Identity in Christ. Who am I? And uh, Lord, teach me, what does that mean about me in relationship to you as Savior and Lord and King? And we've been walking through different pieces of that. Uh, Today, we're going to be diving into Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians 2. So turn with me, if you will, there to Ephesians 2. We got ushers coming forward, and they've got Bibles in their hands. And uh, just raise your hand if you need a Bible to get one to you. All right, Ephesians chapter two. We're going to be talking about I am alive. I have life in Him. I am alive. Praise be to God. And uh, what does that mean? What does that look like as we're challenged in this broken world? As we're challenged in this world that has a lot of pain and death and sorrow. Know this: if you've trusted Christ as Savior, you get to declare, "I am." Alive. Just say it with me. I am alive. Who am I? And I'm alive because of who my Savior is. Praise be to God. All right? So, as we dive in here in Ephesians chapter 2, the first thing to keep in mind remember, we were dead in our sins, unable to respond to God. Remember, we were dead in our sins, unable to respond to God. This is going to be a call throughout this to what process should we walk through in our lives because we are alive. First piece, remember where we came from. It says, and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and of our mind. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins. You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And that word dead is nothing to be toyed with. That is a heavy, firm, harsh, dark word. It literally means lifeless, responseless. Unable to respond or hear or see anything going around you in a spiritual way, right? And uh, clearly still alive physically because it says, and you were walking in them, right? There's this life and this living going on physically and yet spiritually so not alive. So not responsive to who God is and what God has to say about himself and his glory. Missing that point majorly. And dead. Dead. In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, trespasses and sins, like the rules you knew about that you uh, basically broke, and even the ones you didn't know about, the breadth of wrongness that you wandered through life in saying, it's going to be about, and then you filled that in with anything other than God himself. Anything other than God himself, that was the goal. Lord, may this be about me, not you. And uh, we go after ourselves. And that's where we've lived in the past, whether you were a believer now or not, this is where you used to live, and a dead, lifeless, responseless, in dire need of CPR at the highest level spiritually, uh, in your trespasses and sins in in which you once walked. It says, following, and it uses the word following twice now, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, and uh, the course of this world. Man, I'm just telling you, this world is centered on everything about self, right? You don't believe me? Just turn on the TV and listen to a few ads. Everything is about you and uh, how you can feel better. How you can get something you don't currently have. You, 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 you. And uh, the course of this world, it is all about you. And in fact, I would even go one step further. It's teaching you how to worship anything and everything except God. Right? How can I worship me? Me. Or how can I worship the things around me as I want to have them and I need to have them? I start creating what we would call an idol. I absolutely have to have that. Without it, I'm not satisfied. And uh, see, that's what an idol is, is forget about God. I need this. And that's where I'm at. The world, it teaches us to be all about, yes, setting up anything in place of God and worshiping that instead and uh, putting self at the center of all of it as the motivation and in the course of this world, that's the one thing we're following. And then it says, following the prince of the power of the air. And uh, Just so you know, that's Satan. All right? Following after the one who is, please hear me, a few things about Satan. Created. You hearing me? Not equal in power to God. Not in any way, shape, or form. Everybody say, not equal. Not, equal. not even close. Created. Okay? Angel that fell. And uh, created in that sense, and as an angel, and fell away. That's all he is, okay? And uh, small, nothing in comparison to our king, nothing. And yet, man, does he whisper some stuff that our soul likes to hear, right? And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, man, I hear that. That, That's like all about me. That sounds pretty good. I think I'm going to listen to that a little bit more. Bring it on here. And... uh, All of a sudden, the prince of the power of the air um, begins to have a say in your life. And uh, we follow. We listen and we go after the whispers that he brings. It says, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Now at work in the sons of disobedience. How is he at work? Um, I just put a few words down for his work. Uh, he is luring, you know, like when you go fishing and you pick out just that right lure and you cast it out there and you land it and you're bringing it in and you have to make it dance just right in front of the fish. And that's what he's doing with you, with me. He is luring, he's throwing something out in front of you and dancing it in front of you to make it look enticing, luring you in. He is lying along the way. He's like, I'm telling you, this is going to be so unbelievable. This is going to be awesome for you when, and you don't need God for this, just go after this. And uh, the lie, just so you know, every lie has a little bit of truth. And so don't get tripped up, all right? Don't get caught up becoming an expert on the portion that is true. Make sure you're recognizing all that is not true. Uh, That's the best way to stand against. And uh, he's luring, he's lying And I just put another word out here. You know, the lure tends to attract the eye, but he's wooing. He's attracting the soul. He's speaking to that which is broken within, and he's drawing out. And that's where we were, man. We were listening to the spirit of disobedience. We were listening to the spirit of the prince of the power of the air as he led those who were disobedient. And uh, we fell into the same stuff, and everything was about me, and it all sounded good to go after, and... Let's do it. And um, that's what we were following. Dead. Course of this world. Prince of the power of the air. And uh, everybody say that's not a good place to be. It's not where you want to be, man. I'm just telling you, we end up in this spot. And all too often, we walk into church. And if we're saved and we're trusting in Christ, it is so easy to end up forgetting about where we're we came from where we were and uh, don't lose it don't lose sight of it this is where we used to be completely non-responsive to the greatness of God and drawn away by every little whisper that made it about me or enticed me and dragged me along that's where we were okay and uh, if you've trusted Christ to save praise God there's hope and uh, we'll talk about that in the next point But uh, this is what it looks like to be without Christ. Do you know him as your Savior? And uh, hear me, if you don't know him as Savior, this is the description of where we stand. And you're like, well, that sounds kind of rude. I don't really like hearing that. And uh, look what it says next. And uh, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. We've all been there, man. We've all been in that spot, dead in our trespasses and sins, listening to the banging of this world, listening to the whispers of Satan and getting drawn away. Every one of us has been there in the past. Some have heard from Jesus Christ, have been awakened and made alive, and they've stepped forward from that. But all of us have been in this place. Man, if you have not heard from Christ as Savior, hear me. This is where you are today. And it's time to respond as God now draws, as God now calls, as God now woos and makes alive. And a huge deal here, it says, we all once lived in these passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. I just wrote a couple verses down here. Uh, Might want to write these down. Romans chapter 8, verse 7. Romans 8, verse 7. It says, for the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And this is a tough passage, all right? The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Man, unable. That's dead, in our trespasses and sins. We're not hearing from them. we're hostile to them, and we're not responding at all. That's Romans 8, 7, and here's another one, Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've heard that verse before. We say it around here a lot. It's an anchor verse for understanding where we were in Christ, where we are without Christ, where we stand without him. And uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and I'm talking way short. Right? And you've heard me talk about this before. This word sin, it, it means not to have missed the bullseye, not to have missed the outer rings, but to miss the whole dog gun target, come up short and hit the sand and turf flies, right? It's a sports term, it's an archery term. And it means to have aimed and shot not even close, right? Like in basketball when they shoot the air ball, like in baseball when you completely swing and miss, like that's what we're talking about, man, a complete miss worth zero points, not getting the job done way short, and yes, that's where we've all stood without Christ, dead, and uh, carrying out the passions of our own body and mind, and uh, way short. It says that we were by nature, that's inside and out, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, and uh, we had an inheritance—wrath. And uh, wow, this isn't very uplifting, Tim. And uh, I'm just telling you: all too often we forget where we've come from, and we need to grasp it before we move into what we have, and. Uh, The passion of what he's talking about here. I'll just summarize it this way My goal was myself. My father was of this world, and my inheritance was wrath. That's where I was. My goal was myself, my father of this world, and my inheritance was wrath. That's where we were. Goal was self, father of this world, and inheritance was wrath. Too often, we forget where we've come from, and we forget what we've gone through, and uh, I'm just telling you, it makes a mess of your life. Don't lose track, and um, I'm just going to get up and move for a sec here. All right, listen, a number of years ago, um, I was 23, my sister was 20, so it's been a long time. It's been uh, 27 years now, and uh, my sister Stephanie uh, was a student at Moody Bible Institute, and uh, I ended up getting a phone call. I was down at the University of Illinois studying, and uh, my parents said, you need to come up. Something really bad has happened, and Stephanie's at Northwestern Memorial Hospital, and uh, you need to come now. So I grabbed some books and threw them in a backpack and headed for Northwestern, really not knowing what was going on. When I got there, I got off the elevator and my mom came up and met me and she put her hands on my shoulders and tears began to stream down her eyes and she said, you need to understand this. Stephanie had an aneurysm yesterday and, um, and they're saying she's brain dead. And I'm just telling you right now, I hate that word still. I, um, I cannot live with that word and use it regularly, so it 's hard for me even preaching this passage. I want you to understand the word "dead" is final man, and it is painful and um, We fought through the next day and a half, uh, trying to do everything you could do with all the technology that was available at that time, and going through what we could go through and um, and it wasn 't working and For those of you who 've been through that battle, you know what i 'm talking about, and the body just gives up right, and the skin just starts swelling with water and the, yes, the lungs are going in and out because of a machine, but it's not working. And uh, I'm just telling you, all too often, we end up in spots like that. We've tasted of that level of pain, and yet we walk away and we try to just forget it. And it was a life changing moment for our family. And hear me on this one my sister trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, and God had a bigger plan. And, uh, She's worshiping in heaven as we speak and celebrating with the highest levels of celebration that can be had. She's enjoying herself, uh, punk. And, uh, and uh, I'm just telling you this. It hurts like crazy to come face to face with death. And, uh, and God does offer hope. And yes, hope eternal. And yes, even in this world, hope at times. He reaches into our lives and he calls forward from death Into life. And uh, be careful not to forget where we've come from. Man, we were dead. Laying on a slab, lifeless. No hope. No response. No ability before our king. Dead. That's where we all stood before Christ at one time or another. Remember, remember where you've come from. And uh, let me just say this very clearly. Man, if you haven't trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, then that's where you are even now. And, and maybe this morning you are beginning to feel the wooing of God Almighty pressing awesome. And uh, hear him and respond to him as he's changing your life right before your eyes. All right? And maybe you have trusted Christ as your Savior. And that's a historical fact, but it's done and over. Praise be to God. I'm telling you this when we went home that night and gave up that fight, I was sitting by the phone in the basement waiting for that call. That call that said, never mind, we made a mistake. She's alive. Something's happened we cannot explain. And she's sitting up and she's talking and we did not receive that call. And hear me, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you received that call. Are you hearing me? We have hope in Him. We have life in Him. And while pain is tragic and this earth is broken, I'm telling you, our God has it in hand. And all of God's people said, Amen. Do not forget where we've come from. Remember with all you've got. All right? Remember. Number two, worship. God made us alive together with Christ. God made us alive together with Christ. Worship. All right. Here we go. He starts out verse four. But God... There is no two greater words in all of Scripture. You hearing me? We were dead, lifeless, and non responsive and unable. Verse 4. But God. That's our hope, man. It is not a hope in me. It is not a hope in what I do. It is not a hope in my works. It is a hope in my Almighty King. It is a hope in God Almighty. It says, But God, being rich in mercy. Mercy, you know, that's when he holds back the punishment that's due us, all right? He just got done describing in verses one through three this massive responsibility we have before him as we stand in our own selfishness and sin. And yes, there is punishment that should rightly come with that, but God being rich in mercy, holding back what we deserve, mercy. And hear me, rich like To think of the biggest vault you could ever think of in the universe, and if you tried to open it up, it would be filled to the top and spilling over, and as you open it, mercy just comes pouring out of this vault, and it never does deplete rich in mercy. He never runs out of it. He's lavishing it on. That's our king. But God, rich in mercy, because of the great love With which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Because of the great love with which he loved us. Uh, Because of what kind of love? Great love. Don't lose track of that, man. This is not some small little thing that went down. This is something that cost Jesus Christ massively. Philippians 2 talks about he humbled himself. He became a man. He stooped down to a love for us. And it says very clearly here, when he loved us, the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead. That's when. Not once I stood up and said, okay, I was wrong. Please forgive me. And then he's like, okay, now I'll love you. No, while we were dead, Romans 5:8. But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we were lifeless, responseless, selfish, and living for self, he put in plan a motion of mercy. Praise be to God. He loves you, man. He loves you with all he's got. He is not leaving you out there alone. He is lavishing it on. And in the midst of your rebellion, he's laying down love. Now, that's love. And uh, you don't think so? Think back in the last week or two or three or four where you've been in a battle with someone, a friend or a family member or a roommate or whatever, and you've been frustrated with them, and you're like, you know what I'm going to do? They're acting like a total jerk, and I'm just going to be nice anyway. I'm just going to bring on the nice, man. I'm going to love them in the midst of it, and maybe they'll come around, and maybe they'll won't. Or were you more like, they better do some apologizing, and I'm going to bring this before them, but they better see how right I am and uh, how easy it is for us to say, I'll come to you when you've come to me. That is not the love of Christ. He's like, you haven't stepped at all, and I'm coming to you. That's who our God is. He loves you with all he's got. uh, Huge. In fact, it says, great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. Please hear those words. He made us alive. All right? Wrestle with your theology. Are you saving yourself or is he making you alive? Let these verses rip through the core of you. He has breathed life in. You were on the slab. You were lifeless. There was no response in you. And he came in with a power only he has, with the work that the great physician can only have. And he breathed in a spiritual CPR that has rocked your world. He has made me alive. Who am I? I am alive in Jesus Christ. I laid lifeless before him, and he has done a work unimaginable. That is my king. Praise be to God. Amen, amen. Man, I'm telling you, we cannot lose sight of this. It is all too easy for us to get into little quick statements, and we're like, Jesus died for me. And it's so true. There's nothing wrong with that statement. But we literally start raising our shoulders when we say it. Jesus died for me. You know, we're, we're like minimizing, and this is a huge work. And I'm telling you, if only one person in all of creation had this happen to them, the angels still would have stood around in astonishment at the work going on. With the one, as this one has woken up, come alive. Are you kidding me? Look at this work. And God is doing it by the millions upon millions upon millions. Praise be to God. A work in our souls we cannot explain as he is making alive. He is breathing in. He is doing something amazing. Notice it says, with Christ. Made us alive together with Christ. Um. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Please hear me on that. There are not many ways to God. There is one, and his name is Jesus Christ. Scriptures are super clear, and that's that. All right? May we trust in him. He is the only great physician who has the solution. Please get to the doctor who can get the work done. All right? Jesus Christ. He has made us alive. And uh, it says here, by grace, you have been saved and, uh, and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace, it's when he pours on what you don't deserve. Mercy is when he holds back what you do deserve. Grace is pouring on what you don't deserve. Grace, he's pouring on what you don't deserve, and in that is salvation. It's life, it's hope, it's breathing, it's this unbelievable ability to now respond to your God in joy, and he does more than that. Now, notice these words. It says, he raised us with him, and he seated us with him in the heavenly places. Remember back at the end of chapter one last week, as we were talking about the power at work in Christ, and it said, he raised him up and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. And then it says right after that that in the midst of seating him there, he did this huge work of power in him. Now look at the words here. He raised us up and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. You are as good as secure. He has placed you with your king for all of eternity secure. Praise be to God. His power at work in you Yes, he worked that power in Christ, and then in chapter two, yes, he's worked that power in you. If you've trusted Christ as Savior, he's raised you up, he's seated you at the right hand next to him, God's doing a huge work in our lives, and uh, raised us up with him, seated us with him in the heavenly places, so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus that he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace. Remember, we talked about this word last week too, immeasurable. There is no ruler long enough. There is no scale big enough. There is no way to measure this. You'll never get your arms around the whole of it. He is doing a work that is astounding. That's our God. The immeasurable grace of our God as he's poured it on in kindness toward us. In Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. and uh, How did he pour it on? In Christ Jesus. There is one way, man. Don't toy with it. Scripture is very clear. And his name is Jesus Christ. Trust in him as your savior. Long for him to have a work in you. Call out for him to respond in your life. He's stirring and wooing even right now this morning. And I hear that cry. And what an amazing privilege we have to receive this grace. I'm just going to take a moment and just ask this question. So why is it then, when we've received life and we've climbed off the slab, we're alive in him, why is it that we keep trying to climb back on? That we keep trying to live like we're dead why do we keep going after that stuff? And I just wrote these down three things, three indicators that I'm climbing back on the slab, three indicators that I'm ignoring I'm alive, okay? Three indicators. Number one, my passions and desires are not different than the world's. I'm embracing what the world has. My passions and desires, well, they're not much different than the world. I'm beginning to re-embrace what the world had. I'm, I'm faking it. I'm alive, but I'm climbing back on the slab as if I'm not. And why am I embracing those passions? Good indicator is if you look at what matters to you and you're like, Ugh, that's not much different than what the world would go after. And be careful with that. It's a good, strong indicator of needing to get it back on your knees and get it before him. Number two, uh, serving him feels like a burden, not a privilege. Serving him, it feels like a burden, not a privilege. You know what? This whole serving Christ, digging in at church, or sharing about him with my friends, or it just feels like a weight on my back. Man, something is going on in your worship. You're getting distanced from your God a little bit, and you're beginning to buy into the lies and the whispers of this world and of the spirit who leads this world. And now, be careful. Those are good indicators. You're climbing back on the slab, faking it. Everybody hear me? We don't lose our salvation, but climbing back on as if, faking it, living like it were true. And uh, last one, um, the biggest thing that, just, that makes me upset is I'm disrespected. Disrespect, man. That's what blows me up. And uh, there is so much selfishness in that. There was so much pride in that. You are beginning to embrace the very cores of this world and you're letting it now affect your motivations. Be careful. These are three strong indicators that you're not living what God has provided for you, okay? And uh, three strong indicators that it's time to say, okay, Lord, what needs to go? What do I need to lay down before you that I can be satisfied in you, blown away with you? That I can speak of your love and your riches and your power and I'm amazed and in awe with you. Lord, help me set this stuff down, all right? That being said, let's finish here with this piece. He says, some verses maybe many of you know, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. By grace you have been saved through faith. And by grace, so God pouring on what we don't deserve and yet he's still calling us to an action. Please hear me. There is God's sovereignty in it as he's pouring on. But there is our responsibility, this faith that's taking place in there. We see both mentioned, right? By grace and through faith. And yes, God at work. And yes, there's a belief on your part going on. And look at how this unfolds. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing." Okay, there's been a lot of argument about this word this over the numbers of centuries, all right? What does this apply to? And uh, I'm just going to give you a couple little statements. I'm not going to answer the question in full, but I'll just tell you this. Some would say the word this applies to the word right before it, faith. And this is not your own doing. Like, the faith is actually given to you. And uh, there's some verses that can back that up, like Hebrews chapter 12 talks about Jesus Christ as the author and perfecter of our faith, Right? And uh, so we've got that. Some will say this would actually apply to the word grace. And that's not of ourselves. That's kind of obvious, but but that's not of ourselves. Some will say the word this applies to the whole phrasing, the whole salvation process. Grace of God, the sovereignty of God, the faith of man, and the whole salvation over all of it. And this applies to the whole phrasing there, okay? And uh, I'll just tell you, my personal opinion, I think this applies to the whole phrasing and all that's included in it. And I'll just give you one reason why. Uh, It's got a little bit of sophistication to it in the grammar, all right? This in the Greek is in what's called the neuter form, okay? But faith and grace are in the feminine form. So typically, you would not apply a neuter to feminine words, okay? And so that's why I think it's not applying to just one of those words. I think it's trying to capture the whole of that being from God and God at work in you, all right? But hear me on this. The main point is God at work What's the main point? Let's not lose that, all right? That's the simple of it. God is at work here, and uh, this is not your own doing. God is at work. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, not a result of works. And uh, hear me now, works, they do not earn salvation. They do not keep salvation. Works, they are strictly to say thank you, and we're going to talk about that in the third point works. It does not earn salvation. It does not keep salvation. It is about a thank you back to him after you're saved, all right? So he's like, please hear me, your salvation? Dude, it is not about works. Please don't start listing off how good I am. That doesn't save. I'm letting that settle. Please don't list off how good I am that doesn't save. That doesn't keep me saved. The works have nothing to do with it. And uh, it is about trusting in Jesus Christ. It is his works. He was perfect, and he died on the cross, and he rose again. Him for me, praise be to God. And it's faith in him alone that gets it done, all right? God at work doing this huge thing. God stirring it up. God giving the gift. And yes, there is alive because of it. Praise be to God. Huge deal. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works. So that, purpose statement, no one can boast. No one's sitting in heaven going, dude, you should see what I did. Do you know why I am where I am? Let me explain some of what I have. Bring my scroll. Let me tell you all that I have done. This is why I'm, so that no one can boast. There isn't a work that can be quoted that gets us into heaven. Works, and quite frankly, is what's keeping us out. We have come up way short of Jesus Christ and his glory. That's dead in our trespasses and sins, all right? And uh, hear me, when God's stirring, when God's calling, when God's performing CPR on your life, you will know it. You will have a sense of it that will blow you away. And it's amazing what God does in the midst of providing salvation. I I just wrote these words down. Uh, No one can boast. Salvation is about making much of God, not self. Salvation puts his grace on display. Salvation is God giving a gift. That's salvation, okay? Salvation is about making much of God, not me. Illustration for that. So this past week, I got a letter and uh, got permission to read it this morning. This is what it says. You ready? Everybody listen to this letter. He says, good morning. My wife, three daughters, and I attended your church yesterday for the first time. That's last Sunday. As we are looking to find a church to attend on a regular basis, we really enjoyed ourselves and decided to to make this home. One week and they're in. Right? (laughs) Got to love that. And uh, we have three girls, ages six, four, and two. They had a great time in their respective classes as well. I have never really attended any church growing up. And yesterday, you said that there were, I believe, 18 people that accepted Jesus Christ into their lives. While you mentioned that, I thought to myself, it might be a good thing for me to do that myself. What all does that entail? I'm pretty sure that better late than never is true, so... I just felt something yesterday that spoke to me. Any guidance would be greatly appreciated. Dude, that's like the biggest softball pitch 16 inch. If you miss that, right? So I emailed him back and we sat down on Tuesday night and we had a little chat. And about 8 o'clock Tuesday night, he accepted Christ as his Savior. Praise be to God. Amen. Amen. I'm just telling you, when God's drawing, it's time to listen. When you are hearing who he is and when you're getting the greatness of your king and when he is lavishing on what we do not deserve, it is time to respond. And all of God's people said, man, believe with all you've got, faith in him, you watch your God work and you celebrate your king. Put him on display. God is at work in this place. Worship him with all you've got. Remember came from a very bad position. Worship him with all we've got. He brings life and he brings hope and he's pouring it on. Worship him. Simple question for you. So, uh, have you been made alive? Have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal savior and said, that's it, I'm in. I'm trusting him now. Have you made sure that you said, Lord, you're in charge? Man, don't toy around. Hear God calling and crying out even now. And respond as he's challenging you. It's pretty simple, man. We say it's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. Admit, A, admit, I'm not perfect. I've come up short. B, believe that Jesus Christ is God. He is Sacrificed on the cross for me, and he is risen again. He is alive. There is power in Jesus Christ. There is authority in Jesus Christ. Believe. And just so you know, many stop there. They're like, yeah, I'm, I'm not perfect. And yeah, Jesus is awesome. And then they just kind of go on in life. But I'm telling you, we're told in Romans 10:9 and 10 that it's A, B, and C. Confess him as your Lord. Man, done with fighting. On with responding to him. Down with the sin that's been so easily entangling and up with following my God. It is time to respond to you. I confess you as my king. You're in charge, Lord. You're in charge. Are you saved? Trusting him? Made alive? And praise be to God if you are. And if you aren't, man, put the stake in the ground and make today the day, will you? Lock it in. If you have trusted Christ, are you living like it? Or are you letting the wooing of the world and the distraction of Satan talk you into climbing back on the slab and faking that you're not alive? May we live like the king has given us life to live. May we celebrate his name and worship him. All right? And number three, we've talked about remember, we've talked about worship, now celebrate Now we are called to bring him glory as we serve him. Celebrate. Now we are called to bring him glory as we serve him. He says here in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. That word literally means you are his artistry, his poetry. He is the great artist. You are his expression. Did you know that? That's what he's literally saying. He has crafted in you personality and giftings and passions. And by the way, God never gives sin as a personality. Okay? So wrestle with that a little. If you're like celebrating the sin in your life as who you are, time to set down the sin and lift up who you really are. Okay? You are his workmanship, poetry, artistry, He's crafted in you an awesomeness to reflect his greatness. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, and it says, which God prepared beforehand. Remember at the beginning of Ephesians 1, it said, God was choosing and predestining. He was also organizing and structuring the beforehand of it all, the flow of how this thing will unveil and the role you can play in pointing him out as awesome. May you point out your God. May you celebrate your king as you go to those spots he's called you to, using the gifts and the passions and the insights that you've got. May your king be made much of by you. That's what we're called to. Celebrate, man. It is understanding that you're called to a good work and it is going after it with all you've got. He says that we should walk in them. Man, Lord, may I be much about you, May I go after you with all I've got. And may I celebrate you with the works in my hands and the works on my lips and the prayer in my heart and the. Lord, I'm ready to say thank you. Remember, good works, they do not save. Good works, they do not keep you saved. Good works, they are that thank you offering that says, I've met the one who gives life. And I'd love to introduce you to him sometime. May I worship and celebrate him. In the midst of you all, as I go after my God. Man, as you walk into this place on a Sunday morning, you see it in our, in our uh, greeting team, in our parking team, all the way in, in all the atrium stuff, in the ushers, the children's workers, the worship team, there is a heat, there is a joy, there is a fervor in this place. Man, we are thanking our God that we have been made alive. And all of God's people said, that is who we are in him. And... Uh, I'm just going to close it with this illustration. This past week has been, um, I've been getting up and walking again a little bit here and there. Got out to the Pumpkin Festival, which is uh, always nice to get out to. Got to see a ton of you guys out there, probably at least half of you it felt like as I'm walking around. It's like every five feet running into some harvest people and great to talk with you guys out there. We love being out there for it. And, and um, we ended up going to the marching band competition on uh, Saturday afternoon for part of it. And uh, what I love most about this marching band competition is uh, it's a cult. <laughs> and all of you who have been around it, you know what I'm talking about. It is amazing, man, the level of work ethic with these guys, the grasping what it's about to celebrate the, the craft that they're being about. And they all have this plan. Just so you know, they get this whole thing mapped out. They get the song before the school year starts back in June, July. They get the, they call them dot books that show them exactly where they're supposed to stand at each measure in each spot, all the way through the thing. They have this plan mapped out beforehand. Does this sound familiar? They have a plan mapped out beforehand. And then they go to guns on getting expertise in making that thing roll out. And then, as each and every person plays their role to the max, hitting exactly where they need to be, there is this unbelievable artistry and declaration that is made. That is the church. That is us, man. He has rolled out a plan ahead of time, and each of us has a spot to get to, and we are to be there and declaring him with all we've got. And as we declare his glory, as we declare his grace, as we declare his mercy, as we declare that we are alive, I'm telling you, this world hears a message they have never heard before. Live for your Savior. Who are you? You have been made alive who are you? Answer with me. Who are you? I am alive. Who are you? Do not forget it. Your God has done an amazing work and he's called you to celebrate him with all you've got. Remember, worship, and celebrate. And all of God's people said, Amen. amen. Let's go after him with all we got. Let's pray.